MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. I'm Danny Burke, your host, live as always out of the windy city. Hopefully, you were able to escape this brutal weather out there, avoid the snow, stay inside, do something to keep yourself nice and cozy, and keep yourself updated with all this Bears news, which we'll be discussing in the latter part of this episode, filling out the personnel sheet as of this moment. We're pretty much all done, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, for the most part, you've got the big names all filled in. So we'll go over that, talk about their history, what impact they may have for this Bears roster, and plenty more revolving around the Chicago Bears. Plus, we'll kick things off previewing the Bulls game tonight. So we'll start that momentarily. And just wanted to say, yes, we are going to address the, I don't even know what you want to call it, just a complete debacle, mess, and embarrassment from Chicago Blackhawks owner and chairman Rocky Wirtz and what he said at the town hall press conference just absolutely brutal so I'll share my thoughts on that but it's not going to be much different from what everybody else has already said on Twitter and if you're not familiar I suggest you just search his name on Google or on Twitter or anything just to get caught up but we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. But let's begin with this Bulls and Raptors game. It seems like Bulls and Raptors are playing a lot nowadays, but that's because they had their first game back in November. Next game was postponed, so then they made that up, what, last week, and now they're playing again. So the Bulls have beaten the Raptors twice this season, and the last effort, I think, was like 111 to 106, 105, something like that. I don't know, but the Bulls won, and they covered that game. But it's a little bit different story up in Canada this time around. So the Bulls are actually the underdog here, and it opened about three and a half, three, depending on where you were looking. And the total was about 224 in the hook. Total has dipped down now to 222 and a half, which is odd because pretty much every Bulls game seems to have their total go on the rise. We know their defense has absolutely been an issue as of late. And offensively, you know, they're still being just as dominant because you have your big three in Zach Lafine, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic. And if you could get production from Kobe White and company off the bench, you ain't doing too shabby. The issue here is that Zach Levine went from being probable, but he was like day-to-day leading up into it. Now he is questionable 
with some back issues, I believe is what is happening. So we got to keep an eye and monitor the status of Zach Levine, and that has affected the spread. Now, it was already trending in favor of the Raptors regardless, but now since that news came about, Toronto moved up at Bet Rivers to a four and a half point favorite. Money line, they're minus a buck 82. Chicago on the buyback, plus 155. And again, that total right now at 222.5. Juice is slightly on the over, minus 113. I didn't have any love for this spread one way or the other. I get why Toronto opened as a favorite, and honestly, I do think they're probably the right side here. Maybe not to lay it, especially now that it's at four in the hook. But I probably would side with the fact that the Raptors are in a good spot to win this game outright. Look, it's the third matchup between these teams. The Bulls won the last go-around at the UC, but it wasn't pretty by any stretch of the imagination. And look, the Raptors have been doing pretty well so far. They've won their last four out of five games and three in a row more, uh, more recently. The Bulls have also won their last four out of five games. And in that span was the win against Toronto, 111-105. But again, if Zach Levine is kind of iffy going into the game and just because the Bulls have not been, I guess, the most reliable and they haven't been so powerful, like they've won these games, but there's been stretches where it's been very worrisome. And the stretches being what happened against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And, you know, the Blazers, yes, they pulled away. And look, he even made it somewhat close against the Magic late in the fourth. Somehow the Bulls still ended up covering a nine-point spread in that game. But you get what I'm saying. And we talk about it ad nauseum here in the sense of live betting the Bulls could be your most viable venture when it comes to this team. As an underdog, hey, maybe they get off to a hot start and you don't get as good of a number. Realistically, I still think you could take that same approach. And um, and we always try to look at it objectively. I want to bet on the Bulls every single night. We all do. And I do think they have enough talent to pretty much compete and or win every single game. But because of the injuries they have, it takes a deeper toll on this starting roster to do this night in and night out. So yes, they have enough skill and talent despite the players are missing, but it doesn't mean you're going to get positive results in every single matchup. So again, you could look to take the four in the hook. They have just as much talent on their team, maybe not as deep at this point. Or you could wait in-game. Bulls probably get down like eight or nine points, jump in, take the points. Or you could do what I am going to do and just stay away from the spread. Because I think whatever happens in this game probably will not surprise me. Even if Chicago gets kind of blown out here, we have seen that happen the past month or so in games where we thought they could keep it close, have some good competition, and they've just been really rusty, turning the ball over, giving their opponents second chance opportunities, all of the above. And maybe that's going to be the case tonight in a tough road matchup against Toronto. So for that, I'm staying away from the spread. Total it revolves around Zach Levine, and if he's a go, I think you shoot or you see the shoot back up just a little bit. I would only bet over again, not infatuated with it one way or the other. Uh, looking into some of these player props, though, really cool. Well, actually, I'll hold off on the player props. First, I wanted to mention so Jonathan Von Tobel, JVT, what we call him at VEASAN. He's VEASAN senior NBA analyst. He does his write-ups every single day for the slate of NBA games at VEASAN.com. Follow him on Twitter at MeJVT. Catch his work at VEASAN.com. And naturally, I always look at his assessment and analysis for every game I'm interested in, and especially when it's the Bulls. So he had a good write-up about this, and a couple things to note for this matchup. JVT writes, the over is 9-3-1 and 
in the last 13 contests for Chicago. As we know, uh, you know, he says due to the team's high caliber offense and just not a good defense, right? I mean, that's been the issue since they've been absent with Caruso, with Derek Jones Jr., with Patrick Williams, and Lonzo Ball. Now, in these 13 games, the Bulls have the seventh best offensive rating in the league in non-garbage time minutes, 115.1, but have still been outscored by 3.1 points every 100 possessions due to a defense that is 27th over the same stretch with a number of 118.2. So that's what JBT wrote, and he wrote plenty more. So again, check it out at VSIN.com and follow him on the tweets at me, JBT. But he's right. It's clear. It's apparent. This Bulls defense has taken a hit. Is it surprising? No. But what's infuriating and maybe shocking sometimes is how long these bad stretches during these four quarters. It's not going to happen the whole time. But in that finite amount of time it happens, you're like, why is this happening? Why are they turning the ball over? Why can't they rebound? What's going on? It's the bench sometimes, right? I mean, you're not getting production consistently anymore, it seems, from Kobe White. Sometimes Vooch is off. Sometimes DeRozan's the only guy doing stuff out there, and you want Levine to be a little bit more aggressive. There's a lot of things that need to happen with this depleted roster as at this point, which makes it not a favorable matchup per se against the Raptors, and a lot of opportunity for the opposing team's offense, thus putting these totals over consistently 9-3-1 the last 13 games. But speaking of DeMar DeRozan, it's always interesting to handicap him going against his former team. That's why we took his over against the Spurs on Friday. That came through. The number was like 25 and a half. He dropped like 32. Also, we had our two bets in the Bulls game the other night. Vooch under 35 and a half points, rebounds, and assists. I hope you're able to follow that one. Vooch, another lackluster-ish performance against the Magic. Probably his best one thus far. And then how about Wendell Carter Jr.? We talked about his points and rebounds over 22 and a half. The man just plays like an absolute all-star against the Bulls. For whatever reason, are they getting the job done in the W column? Once. But statistically, he would love to play the Bulls every single night because he would be on the Eastern Conference All-Star team. It is just uncanny. Nevertheless, we hit both of those bets, so hopefully you're able to cash. And if you're looking to cash on some props tonight, speaking of DeRozan, former team, in eight games against his former squad, he's averaging 23 points, 6.6 rebounds, and about uh, eight assists, 7.8 to be exact, but he's doing very well. More incentive. That's how it always goes. And that's why you look for those type of scenarios when you're betting these props. But I'm not in love with betting DeRozan in this game necessarily. I mean, it's a high number at about 26 in the hook. So I'm not too interested in getting involved in that one. I wouldn't tell you not to. But again, I'm just not in love with it. Now, if Levine's out, number's probably going to rise up. And if you think he could be shaky, maybe jump on it sooner rather than later. But the storyline for this game actually involves Gary Trent Jr. So he's going for a Toronto Raptors record of six straight games. That's right. Six straight games with 30 or more points. Very impressive. But coincidentally enough, the guy whose record for the Raptors having five straight games of 30 plus points is DeMar DeRozan. DeMar set that record in 2016 from October 26th to November 4th, had five straight games with 30 or more points. Gary Trent Jr. has that right now, and he can break it if he can score 30-plus against the Bulls. Is he going to be able to reach that mark? Who knows? But it makes you draw your attention to his prop. 
and his numbers at 20 and a half at bet rivers over minus 113 i had to take it look even if he doesn't get the 30 he knows he needs to pad these stats he's aware of it his teammates are aware of it and i think he's gonna have a good night because of that and just because it's a favorable matchup toward his shot selection so where he's getting a majority of his shots actually come from beyond the arc 50 percent of his shots come from three-point range and when you look at chicago they are allowing opponents to make 37 percent of their shots from beyond the arc which is dead last in the association 30th now he also takes a lot of his shots from mid-range 39 percent he's connecting on 45 percent of those along with 40 percent from three-point range and the bulls from mid-range uh, they're not as bad, but a uh, high frequency. Their opponents getting shot attempts up from mid-range. Overall, though, the Bulls also 21st in defensive effective field goal percentage at 53.5%. We just know overall how much they have slacked on the defensive side of the ball. And with that incentive for him to try to get 30-plus, when he's done it the past five games, he's gone over uh, over 20.5 overall 15 games this season. You got to ride the hot hand here. And I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but I just was kind of surprised the number was as low as it was. Maybe they're giving more credit to the Bulls' defense than they deserve. Maybe they think, hey, he's really not that good of a player and he's going to come back down to earth. And he could, but I still think because it's a 10-point difference of what he's aspiring to get, that it's worth the play on the over and because he dominates beyond the arc and the Bulls do not when it comes to defending opponents beyond the arc. You could also make the argument for him over three and a half, three pointers made, but they're laying a little bit more juice on that one. He has gone over that two more games this season than he has a points prop of 20 in the hook. And so I wouldn't tell you not to do that, but I just think 20 in the hook, you're probably safe just as you would be with the three and a half threes made. But hey, maybe the Bulls try to close out on him a little bit more so. So I'm going to take the route of betting him over 20 and a half points. By the way, the first matchup for Chicago, he went seven of 15 from the floor, four of nine from beyond the arc, ended up with 18 points. So he did go over the three point prop in that one, but not his 20 and a half points prop. Most recent game, dropped 32 points, six three-pointers, so he went over both. But again, I'm going to do him over 20.5 points. Do not hate at all of the idea of betting him over 3.5 three-point field goals made. But again, I'm just going in the direction of his points over 20 and the hook. We'll see if there's an in-game betting opportunity worthwhile at Danny Burke 5, or you could follow me on Twitter. If there's anything I like, I'll tweet it out, what may be a good time to jump in on it, and also tweet out plenty more stuff revolving around the Super Bowl, every other sport, hockey, stuff with my show Rush Hour. You know the drill, tweet out all those links. So you can follow me on Twitter at Danny Burke 5. And speaking of my other show Rush Hour, if you didn't know, you could get a hold of that Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, iHeartRadio, so wherever you get your podcasts available, Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, YouTube TV, uh, Marquee Sports Network where the Cubs play, and of course, like we said, VSIN.com or VEASAN's app. So that's going to do it for this first segment revolving around the Bulls and their matchup this evening. Coming up next, we got to talk about the Chicago Bears filling up their coaching personnel with some key names that are bringing some optimism and hopefully some positivity to this franchise and quite the opposite for another being the Chicago Blackhawks. So we'll get a yin and a yang for our positives, our pros and cons with Chicago sports. But that's how we'll wrap up this Thursday edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bed Rivers.
Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to experience rush pay. When you want to cash out your winnings, you don't want to wait two days just to get the go-ahead to withdraw your money. That's why Bet Rivers created Rush Pay. With Rush Pay, 80% of withdrawal requests are approved instantly, meaning you'll get your money faster. Why wait? Get your cash when you want it. Bet with a winner. Bet with Bet Rivers Sportsbook at BetRivers.com. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide volunteer self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling one 800 gambler one 800 Okay, we are wrapping up another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Started off talking Bulls and Raptors, moving on to the Chicago Bears, who are finally filling up that roster sheet in terms of their coaching personnel. And it seems like there's a lot of optimism around it. I mean, we only know so much about these guys because they're not necessarily under the spotlight. So a lot of unproven areas. That we'll have to see how quickly they can develop into and do it successfully. But what you've heard from around the league is, you know, a lot of optimism again with some of these guys and how they've done their jobs very well and can translate into doing that with the Bears. I mean, nobody's going to trash talk any of these hires and be like, oh, that guy, that guy stinks. Like, very seldom do you see that happen. So it doesn't mean it's going to be an instant success, but of course, it still gets you a little bit of hyped up um, to get you or to just really see all this positive anecdotes that people have about these coaches and some of these players coming out and speaking about them as their former coaches. So just going down the list, top down, GM, Ryan Poles, assistant GM, Ian Cunningham, head coach, Matt Eberflus, offensive coordinator, Luke Getze, uh, defensive coordinator, Alan Williams, Dave Borgonzi, the linebackers coach, Chris Morgan, your offensive line coach, Wide receivers coach Tyke Tolbert, or Tolbert, excuse me, and then uh, quarterback coach Andrew Janako. Hopefully, Janako. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing that right. My bad if I'm not. We got time to learn before the season starts. But looking into it, an interesting tidbit I saw about Lugetsi, uh, who was the most important name after Eberflus coming into it. So as we know, he's a former Packers quarterback coach. This is really going to be his first time calling plays. But James Jones, you know, former uh, teammate with Aaron Rodgers, talked about Rodgers' relationship with Getze on the Ringer NFL show. And he said, I've been in there with Luke. Luke was on the staff when I was with the Packers. And boy, was Aaron Rodgers fighting for this boy to be the OC. You know what I'm saying? He was fighting for Luke to be the OC. So when I seen it this hire, I was like, oh, we, that is excellent for Justin Fields. That's what James Jones said on the Ringer NFL show. So look, you could hear about it from Ian Rappaport, from other media guys saying good things. But when you hear it from a former player and talking about what Aaron Rodgers' thoughts were on the subject matter, that is fantastic. And that gives you a lot of hope for what he may be able to do with one Mr. Justin Fields. Defensively, Alan Williams, this is an interesting hire in the sense that, I mean, Alan, okay, I, I, I wasn't too crazy about who they were going to bring in as defensive coordinator. I know a lot of people wanted Marinelli to bring him back in the mix and seeing all the success he has done with Las Vegas. But I wasn't going to go too crazy about it regardless because you already have a defensive-minded head coach in the mix. If something needs to be improved, if something needs to be, 
I don't know, just tampered with to a certain degree, Eberflus will be there to help out. Yes, he said he's going to keep hands off to a certain extent, not call the plays, be the CEO, blah, blah, blah. But let's be realistic. He's going to have more influence on the defensive side than he is on the offensive front. And look, Allen Williams, we don't even know. Maybe he could be fantastic. But if you don't know anything about him, he was a Colts safeties coach with Eberflus, and Dave Borgonzi was a linebackers coach. So those guys all spent about four years together. So in those four years, looking at Allen Williams, 2021, this most recent season, he had the Colts ranked 17th in DVOA pass defense. Not great per se, but they were third in the league in interceptions. 2020, eighth in DVOA pass defense, also third in interceptions. Solid, very solid. 2019, 19th in DVOA pass defense, 5th in interceptions. 2018, 15th in DVOA pass defense, 6th in interceptions. You could say screw DVOA and screw you, Danny, for bringing that up. But look, it's a very uh, solid metric to follow by. And I get it, he's more so controlling the safeties. And maybe that doesn't have as much influence in what to do in the passing game on every single play. Still something you want to use as a frame of reference to some degree. Now, that could be a personnel thing that was just the players out on the field, what other coaches were doing in that sense, and how Eberflus had his defense. But, of course, that would kind of correlate to what the Bears' defense is going to be. But the point is, he wasn't bad. I mean, DVOA-wise, you don't have to be the top DVOA pass defense to still have a good one, if that makes sense. I mean, the Bears' issue was lack of takeaways and turnovers. They were amazing in 2018 insane regression year after year they barely had any this past year so for them to virtually be top five the past three years and then six in his first season that's pretty dang good so in all four seasons the trio worked together in indianapolis the colts ranked in the top 10 in the nfl and run defense and takeaways uh indianapolis also finished in the top 10 in points allowed three times and was the least penalized defense in the league in 2019 and 2021 which brings me back to something really quick. This has nothing to do with anything. Stop saying penalized. It's penalized. Penalized just seems so weird and you're trying to be proper or something. It's it's penalized. I think we can all agree on that. But they were the least penalized team defensively in the league 2019 and 2021. So, of course, linebackers coach Dave Borgonzi was a part of that. Helped develop Darius Leonard. That is a big positive thought to look forward to. He's a former linebacker himself and... Oddly enough, worked under Lovey Smith at Tampa Bay. So if you want that Smith connection, there it is through some kind of bloodline. Offensive line coach Chris Morgan. Morgan has got 13 years of NFL experience, most recently as the assistant offensive line coach with the Steelers in 2021. Not the best offensive line, but so be it. Uh, prior to that, he spent six seasons as offensive line coach with the Falcons from 2015 to 2020. Pretty good offensive line doubling as running game coordinator in 2018. Now in 2016, that offensive line he was a part of helped the Falcons lead the NFL in scoring with about 34 points per game, set a franchise record with 540 points and reached the Super Bowl as we know, 28 to three blown game. Uh, that's why we didn't want Dan Quinn. Quarterback Matt Ryan was named NFL MVP after establishing career highs and setting team passing marks with 4,944 yards, 38 touchdowns, and a league-leading 117.1 passer rating. That is courtesy of Bears.com, and they're just talking about Chris Morgan. So, could be good things. We need a big overhaul on the offensive line, but I trust Ryan Poles to put the right pieces into place. 
being a former offensive lineman himself. Wide receivers coach Tyke Tolbert. Uh, a lot of people are talking good things about him, it seems. He's a former New York Giants wide receivers coach, so he will be the Bears wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator. This seems like an awesome hire based on what everybody's seen. So we know the Bears need to bring in additional pieces into that receiving core. We'll see what the hell they do with Allen Robinson. Nobody's preaching for Mooney to be a wide receiver one, but he is damn good enough to be a top wide receiver two, and I will stand by that. But you do need to bring a big name guy or you need to bring in two more solid receivers whether it's getting someone in a trade free agency and then drafting a young stud i know everyone's in love with pickens out of georgia we'll see what the bears do but they do need to add pieces in that skill position group offensively no doubt about it you look at the Bengals, for example, bad offensive line, but they're in the Super Bowl. They have great receivers. Steve Higgins, Tyler Boyd, you got Jamar Chase. Doesn't mean it can work just as flawlessly with the Bears, but you see these teams that have reached this stage, and they all have dominant receivers. I mean, even look at the Bucs when they were healthy. Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. Look at the Rams, OBJ. Uh, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. I get it, Robert Woods ain't playing, but still they have a lethal group. Van Jefferson doing very well. You look at the Chiefs, Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman with speed, Pringle with speed, uh, speed and, Ty and uh, Travis Kelsey. You know, all these teams are loaded in the receiver position. That's what they have common down in the mix. The Packers, they have Devontae Adams, and that's pretty much it. I mean, they have Lazard, who can be okay if Rodgers makes him okay, but Devontae's your main guy, and Aaron Jones is too, but he's a running back. 49ers. Brandon Ayuk's coming around pretty decent. We know how good Debo Samuel is. We know how good George Kittle is. So there is a lot of talent all around with these top teams that came to the end of the postseason. So that's what the Bears need to aspire to get. Yes, offensive line, winning the battle in the trenches is just as important. But you also need your playmakers, your lethal killers, once they get the ball, to make those impact plays. So Tolbert will have a huge hand in playing into that. Quarterback coach Andrew Janico, uh, Janaco, I'm sorry, whatever it is, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Regardless, they're expected to hire him as quarterback's coach. He served in that role with the Vikings last season and has coached receivers during Justin Jefferson's explosive rookie season, by the way, and the offensive line. So Brad Biggs tweeted that out saying he's got a well-rounded background, should be helpful. He and OC Luke Getze have ties to Pitt back in the day, interestingly enough. So again, the Bears, everything's seeming to come together. Maybe not their first choice for quarterbacks coach, but not too shabby if it's your second tier guy. Overall, that seems to be positive thoughts, positive comments, and optimism surrounding all of this personnel and all those additions to the Bears team. What comes next? Well, what comes next is what moves they make in the offseason. What comes next is how we speculate what they do in the draft, address their necessities, and see how they approach it. So we'll see what Poles is about, man. We'll see where he's trying to attack these specific areas for the Bears. But it's it's pretty apparent what those areas are. Wide receiver, offensive line, corners, defensive line, you're pretty set. Linebacking crew, you're pretty set. Special teams, not too bad for the most part. You've had some blunders, that's for sure. But uh, for the most part, they'll be okay. They still need to get their special teams coached, by the way. I don't have any faith it's still going to be Basaccio, but that was cool for a hot second when the reports came out. But uh, Tabor, we know he's gone with the Panthers, had a solid effort with this group in the special teams. So overall, again, the biggest necessities, that secondary for the Bears, the offensive line, and the wide receivers. We'll see what they do. All right, moving off of the Bears, we'll talk more about them tomorrow, as we always do. 
got to address the Blackhawks and the disastrous town hall meeting, press conference, whatever the hell it was that occurred last night. So if you didn't see it, you might be living under a rock or just don't go on Twitter. But Rocky Wirtz, so he's the principal owner and chairman of the Chicago Blackhawks, and he just lost his mind last night just saying the absolute worst things you could ever envision saying in this exact scenario. So Mark Lazarus does a great job covering the Blackhawks for the athletic. So I think it was honestly the first question. It maybe was, maybe wasn't, but it was definitely toward the beginning. So we are all aware of the Blackhawks scandal that occurred in 2010 with Kyle Beach. And, you know, I mean, we're not going to go into the details of it, but you just know how he was sexually abused and manipulated by a member of the coaching staff and was traumatized and just absolutely awful. But so Lazarus goes on to ask, I know we're looking forward here, but we also have to look back. I think much of what happened to Kyle Beach stemmed from a power of imbalance between a coach and a player and the powerless of a player in that situation. So what are the Blackhawks doing? What have the Blackhawks done? What will the Blackhawks do to empower a player in a similar situation to make sure that doesn't happen again? So Rocky Words jumped in and goes, I'm going to answer the question, not him. I think the report speaks for itself. The people that were involved are no longer here. We're not looking back at 2010. We're looking forward, and we're not going to talk about 2010. Lazarus said, I'm not talking about 2010. Rocky said, I know, and I'm not either. And we're not going to talk about what happened. We're moving forward. That is my answer. Now, what's your next question? So then Wirtz, again, um, I think it was just, or and then someone else tried to interject going, I can pick up to, what are they, what are we doing today? Um He's in, oh, so Danny Wirtz. So he was trying to get involved and he was trying to interject and like say what they were doing to kind of try to soften the blow of the situation up there on stage along with Rocky. And then Rocky shut him down and he goes, no, that's none of your business. That is none of your business. Directed to Lazarus and other reporters assembled at the table. This is from the Tribune article about it. Um, what are we going to do today is our business. I don't think it's any of your business. And then Lazarus goes, how is it not my business? Of course, it's his business. The dude's a reporter. This is the Blackhawks. It's his job. We're, we all have the right to know. But then Rocky goes, because I don't think it's any of your business. You don't work for the company. If someone in the company asks that question, we'll answer it. And I think you should get on to the next subject. We're not going to talk about Kyle Beach. We're not going to talk about anything that happened. Now we're moving on. What more do I have to say? You want to keep asking the same question to hear the same answer? Lazarus, no. Rocky, okay, ask the next question. Lazarus, you've said enough right there. Rocky, okay, good. Oh my goodness. He's not telling you to just solely look back on it and talk about that subject itself. He is asking you how you're looking to improve so situations like that can be avoided. It is okay to address it in that manner. Heck, it should be imperative that you do that and i don't even know why that wouldn't have been something you would almost discuss by yourself showing the steps you're taking so something as atrocious and devastating and scarring as that does not happen to anybody else in the league and especially in your own franchise you absolutely should be ashamed of yourself for that having happened and you addressing those questions in the manner that you did it was a simple question and you had a good chance honestly to set your uh, set yourself up in a positive light saying, yeah, I acknowledge that this happened and we made those incorrect steps. But here's what we are doing to change that and go in a different direction so we can avoid this mess. He put it on a tee for you, honestly. It was completely appropriate and the right question to ask. And it was inevitable that that question was and probably will continue to be asked. So Philip Thompson wrote this in his Tribune article, and he also got berated uh, by Wirtz a little bit too. He addresses season ticket holders, and Wirtz basically shut him down too. 
and he's like, are we only going to talk about negative things? And I quote tweeted this. I mean, you can find the clips out there. It's just obscene. It's ridiculous. The responses by words just off his rocker. And he's like talking about the season ticket holders not too pleased. I mean, the Blackhawks suck right now and the attendance is going down and everything with the scandal. And basically he's like, you're only going to talk about negative things. Like ask us some positive, ask us some different. Like, what are you, what is there exactly positive to talk about the Blackhawks right now? Legitimately give me one. Because they just got shut out 5 nothing by the Wild. They continue to lose. We have the scandal surrounding this team. You brought on Marc-Andre Fleury, who's not playing well. You bring in Seth Jones, who's been injured and hasn't been playing well. Patrick Kane hasn't been doing anything special or different. Neither has Jonathan Taves or anybody else. The results are not coming through, and you have this black cloud over you now, and you are making it even darker and bigger by the way you are addressing these questions. And that's why the season ticket holder sequence was brought up, because it is a valid point. And obviously, you should be disappointed by it, among many other things. So then Philip Thompson goes on to tweet today that he did say, I don't know whether or not the Hawks intended for me to make this public, but in the interest of full disclosure and fairness, I'll share that Rocky Wirtz apologized for our interaction at Town Hall in an email forwarded by President of Business Operations, Jamie Faulkner. That doesn't count. That's complete BS. My goodness, pathetic. And I can't wait till he's addressed again about the matter, sends out the formal letter that he obviously doesn't really believe. And he's going to have to because I think he was number five in trending topics on Twitter last night. Like a majority of the country, more than a majority of the country, pretty much everyone, you know, unless you love hockey or you're a dire Blackhawks fan, only know who Rocky Wirtz is. And that's how much, that's how ignorant he looked. That's how much of a fool he made himself look like. And that's how stupid and asinine his comments were. And that's going to come back to bite him and the Blackhawks organization in the butt harder than it already did with this terrible season that's ongoing. So if you haven't seen the story, I suggest you go look at it. You need to be frustrated about it because it is an absolute embarrassment to this organization, to Kyle Beach, to the players, to the fans, to everybody with just a sense of common decency. But that's the ridiculousness going on with the Blackhawks organization right now. We'll see what happens. We'll see if any comments, you know, change anything. I mean, nothing could really change it, but at least you could try to put yourself in a better position. Hopefully the Bulls can give us some positivity to talk about. That's my segue into trying to end the show a little bit happier. With the Blackhawks, incredibly frustrating. The Bears are looking like they're going in the right direction. Harbaugh won't be haunting all Chicago sports media for not going with the Bears and going with the Vikings. So thank goodness we don't have to hear about everybody's sulk about Jim Harbaugh. My goodness, it's unbelievable. We get so much Chicago media focused more so on Jim Harbaugh than the new coaching staff that was brought in. Like, what the hell's your problem? Report on that, not Jim Harbaugh. Did Jim Harbaugh give you a loan earlier in your life and you just have to bend down to him? Like, who cares? He hasn't done anything. He hasn't won a big game. He had a successful team of the 49ers because he had a great defense and a good run offense. But you want a passing offense because that's the only way you win in the NFL and you were bottom tier every single year with the 49ers. Michigan's never had a stellar offense. The same people who are clamoring for him to get the Bears job are the same people who are laughing that he would lose to Urban Meyer in Ohio State every year. Recency bias goggles are on for you because they finally beat them and they got to the uh, semifinal and then they get blown out and you just want this quirky big name Jim Hart boss you could get some national recognition get out of here trust ryan Poles, trust eberflus and trust the process and forget about jim harbaugh whose ceiling you already know where it's at so thankfully we can move on now that he's staying at michigan 
Hopefully that's the last we're talking about it because I've been pretty much exhausted about seeing every Chicago, not every, but a lot of Chicago sports media, especially at one station you all know, continuing to talk about it. But it is what it is. Now we can move on and hopefully look at the rest of the staff and be happy about it and see some positive results. All right, y'all, that's going to do it for another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. And as always, much appreciated. If you like, subscribe, get a rating or give a rating, give any critique. Always appreciate the feedback. And if you check out my show, Rush Hour, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. Until tomorrow, best of luck with all your wagers. Let's go, Bulls, and take care, folks. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.